Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Exactly. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Times 13. We are here to shake up the status quo. It's 2019, and let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from Laura Riding and Robert Graves back in 1937. You may not think that they originated this quote, because it's famous, but they did, according to Quote Investigator. Here we go. The future is not what it used to be. Just let that sink in. So what's going on here? Well, I am thrilled to bring you Predictions 2019 Part 5. We had so many people among our roster of hundreds and hundreds of guests in 2018 on all of our Game Changer series who wanted to step up and say, hey, I think I have an idea what's coming in 2019. So we're doing a six-week special this year. So if your number one business wish is knowing what does 2019 hold for your company, your industry, the world, maybe your job, your career, your family. It could all be revealed today. Stay tuned. Today, part five and next Wednesday, January 23rd. Plus, now on demand, we were on December 5th, 12th, and 19th of last year. We're bringing you more than 75, that's right, 75 thought leaders' predictions on the exciting technologies, the strategies, the trends that can help your business grow and compete better in 2019 and beyond. Isn't that what we all want? Of course it is. So sit back, pour a cup of Joe or Earl, or if you got some Dom left over from New Year's Eve, we won't tell, and join us for Game Changers Radio 2019 Predictions Part 5, and Happy New Year. Let's see who our first set of guests are. Let me tell you briefly and then we'll hear from them. First up, uh, a lady who's been on many, many times. We're happy to have her back. Shannon Platts is Global Vice President Platform Solutions Ecosystem GTM and Readiness at SAP. She has led high performance organizations for more than 20 years. Welcoming Shannon. Joining her on the segment is Dr. John Fry, F-R-E-Y HPE strategist on IT efficiency and the use of technology to do what we all want in our businesses, drive sustainability and revenue opportunities. He is a member of the Advisors Board of the Shell Center for Sustainability at Rice University. And rounding out this part of the panel is Managing Director of Thomson Reuters Indirect and Property Tax Business. Tax is coming up soon. It's Chris Carlstead. He outlines the company vision and sets strategic imperatives relating to indirect and property tax markets. Welcome to the three of you. Shannon Platts, you have the honor of going first. We're going to give you two minutes to tell us what do you see in the crystal ball for 2019. Shannon, go ahead. Great to be with you today. Um, this is always such a fun segment because I think it really pushes us outside of our you know, traditional thinking and closing out the year. So there are really two dimensions I, I wanted to talk about um, for the, the new year. I think there, in the business world, I think we've got some some game-changing aspects that are really around three areas, innovation, data, and experience. And I, and I say innovation because innovation has to be with how companies and organizations are improving their products, thinking outside the box, how they're bringing technology into the component trait to serve and change their business models. From a data standpoint, it's really about now in this data economy, what are we doing with the quantity 
And that's been a big data challenge for a couple of years now. But how it's becoming an asset and how we treat that and the privacy issues that reared their ugly head and the security issues last year are going to be key to us trusting and trusting the companies we provide the data to and how they use it. And we're going to all be held accountable for that. And then finally, on the experience side, providing an exceptional experience is going to be everyone who services any demographic, any community is going to have to make that experience front and center of how they design it and how they execute it. And then to drive information from what that experience created, whether it's a loyalty factor, whether it is to help us adapt to new scenarios, we all have to be thinking, what is the experience that the communities and people we're serving is creating and how do we drive our businesses and our organizations further around that? Thank you, Shannon. Great start to our topic here today, which is just simply what do you see coming, I like to say, up the road or down the pike or or the reverse. We're going to hear from you in a few minutes and ask you what was your favorite beverage over the holiday. So get ready for that. Now let's turn to Dr. John Fry at HPE. John, predictions, please. Thanks, Bonnie. I think 2019 is when we hit a tipping point where purpose orientation around social programs and environmental programs, what we in the vernacular call sustainability programs, move from being a reputational aspect in corporations to being table stakes. And part of the reason for this is we're starting to see more and more customers ask and care about it. We're starting to see more and more investors looking to see how companies are performing in these areas and really looking for programmatic strength. And that poses both a problem for companies who have not focused in that area, but an opportunity for the leaders to really take the things that they've been doing from a leadership perspective and get really active about talking to their customers about that. In my role, I have the opportunity to talk to HPE customers every day, and we can leverage our sustainability leadership to drive new revenue opportunities. And uh, what's, what's wrong with taking the great things you're doing from a purpose perspective, using them to drive revenue, which encourages your leadership team to want to do more, to talk about the more. Ultimately, the world benefits when large companies start using this as a leadership opportunity. And then the last thing I think that we're going to see more of is as companies recognize to make an impact on global challenges, they have to move beyond their own uh, organization. We're going to see what I call catalytic collaboration, which is how do these large global leaders partner together, listen to a variety of voices, and then innovate um, to make even further changes and use technology to drive those innovations. Thank you very much. I love the optimism in everything you're saying and the fact that you're talking about leaders and collaboration. All good buzzwords. Thank you, John. And waiting in the wings, we're ready for Chris Carlstad at Thomson Reuters. Chris, talk to me. What do you see? Well, thanks, Bonnie, and, and, and great to be back on the on the show again. And Thank you. One, one quick clarification. The new year brings a, a new role for myself. So I actually now lead up our partnerships and alliances uh, team for Thompson Reuters, but uh, still very much uh, pursuing the same objectives and mission. Uh, so just a, a minor minor clarification. Uh, but I did want to quickly just touch on John's comments. Uh, while I, I did not come here uh, prepared or planning to speak to sustainability, I, I couldn't agree more with uh, some of his thoughts on that. And, you know, I, I'm, I 
don't know John at all, actually, so I don't know if he would agree or disagree, <laughs> but I think sustainability actually will not only achieve what he, he suggested, but you'll also see corporations acknowledging that there's an opportunity to drive top-line revenue growth uh, by by embracing such such concepts and, and the trend itself. Uh, but uh, thanks for the, the comments on that, John. From my standpoint, I think what we're going to see is is a combination of a few uh, talking points that have been in kind of in the marketplace for for years or more recently, depending on on your perspective. And that is uh, the content that's out there, big data, and then some of the more innovative technologies, uh, per, uh, more specifically machine learning and, and predictive analytics. And uh, it's often been said that content is king. And I personally think, uh, Bonnie, that this has uh, been no more true than it is now with the realities of what machine learning and predictive analytics can can bring to the table and, and our ability to store and comprehend a large amounts of data. And when you bring all of that together, I foresee, and I think 19 will be the year where we'll really start to see it all come together, is truly a, a network of content that is enabled by technology that allows us to start to bring together commerce and, and regulation all around the world. And uh, from a from a consumer or business user standpoint, I, I don't think there's ever been a more exciting time to be able to leverage technology to achieve what you need to do in your personal life or professional. Wow, I like that. Adding the you know something when we we think about these business shows, Chris and and Shannon and um, and John, we're all consumers at some level, and those of us in business can reflect out from both sides, if you will, uh, both sides now. The old Judy Collins song about what we're looking at. So we have multiple perspectives. Thank you very much for that, Chris, and congratulations on your new role. Speaking of consumers, we have just a couple of minutes left to this segment. I would love to know what you each enjoyed the most in your cup, your goblet, your flute, not the kind you play in a band, the kind you drink champagne out of, over the holidays. So, Shannon Platts, would you like to tell us what was special in beverage land for you over the holidays? Well, now that I have all adult children in our household, we definitely had a lot more of our hot chocolate and our apple cider and all of those good things with a little bit of something extra this year. So we had a bit of a contest at our house that had to do with who could come up with the newest beverage and concoction within Mm. uh, our libations. And that was a really fun um, extra thing to add now to our holiday traditions. And I have to say at the end of the day, uh, mine was the apple cider with the cinnamon red hot. Um, that gave it an extra pizzazz with a little bit of, believe it or not, some rum in it. So that was a new concoction. It's not got a name. It's something come, that came straight out of our uh, bard home, but uh, definitely my favorite of this past season. Wow, that's creative. I, I love the fact that the whole family participated in creating new drinks. Very interesting. <laughs> Thank you, Shannon. Dr. John Fry, I'm not going to ask you to top that, but we'd love to know what you were drinking over the holiday. Yeah, my favorite was a beer that's available from our local microbrewery that's available for one night a year. It's called King of Terror, and it's a barrel-aged stout. Uh, with coffee notes to it. And the thing I appreciate about it is because it's only available one night a year and only at the microbrewery, I see people uh, that come for that event 
that I don't see all year long and even met some folks that uh, I don't normally see in the community and I haven't seen in a few years. So it was great to slow down to just sip a fine beer that you don't drink quickly, you sip over the course of an hour and really fellowship and catch up with folks that I don't see all the time. Lovely. Thank you so much. There, so we got that collaborative word in there somewhere, kind of subtly around beer. I like, I like that. There's a marketing <laughs> campaign somebody can use. John, we're going to have to coin that one and copyright it very quickly. Somebody's going to steal it. Collaborate over a slow drinking beer. I like it. Chris Carlstead, what were you drinking? Well, a little unceremoniously, I, like many others, I'm sure, have a few uh, extra LBs that I'm trying to trying to drop here in the new year. So I'm tell me about I it. Dove <laughs> into trying for the first time intermittent fasting, and green tea is supposedly a liquid that allows you to squelch your appetite. So I am I am drinking a lot of green tea these days. Is it working, Chris? Is it working? Yes. Uh, you know what? It, it takes your mind off it. What I can't tell you is if green tea or water or coffee wouldn't do exactly the same thing, but uh, maybe it's mind over matter. I like that. very. Thank you for the diet tip. <laughs> I was drinking an awful lot of Harris Teeter Light, L-I-G-H-T. They spelled it the right way, Light Eggnog. It was uh, two quarts for five, then they dropped it to two quarts for $4. And finally last week, I, I looked at the size of my dresses and I said, that's it. Holidays are over. No more Eggnog Bonnie. So I, and it's mind over matter. It's really tough because I look in the fridge and I look for that quart to grab in the morning first thing and it's not there. So I'm being really, really good. I want to thank Thank the three of you for kicking off our prediction special part five. Shannon Platts, all the best. I'll be no, I'll be talking to you soon. I expect to hear you on the radio coming up this year. Dr. John Fry, thank you. And also to Chris Carlstead. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take just a little break, about 60 seconds. I've got four more panelists waiting in the wings to bring you their predictions. So you know the drill. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, however you're listening. Aaron, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business Channel on Twitter at VoiceAMBusiness. Again, that's at VoiceAMBusiness. And stay current. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we go. Predictions Part 5. We call this Predictions on Steroids because it's fast and furious and fun. Let me tell you who my guests are on segment number two today. We have Matt Creason. He's a product manager for Enterprise Architecture Tooling at SAP, responsible for the direction of SAP Enterprise Architecture Designer and SAP Power Designer. Joining him is Brian Everett, an industry solution principal for Intelligence North America with over 18 years with the company. He's a member of the NTT Data Global One team. Joining them is Brandon Bornanson. I always have to think twice about that last name pronouncing it. He's a serial salesperson. Oh my. Multi-million dollar sales tech entrepreneur, motivational speaker, international sales DJ. Interesting. And the founder and CEO of Seamless.ai. And rounding out this part of the segment is Frank Diana, welcoming him back. He's the only one we've ever invited for two prediction segments. He's filling in for a colleague at TCS. Frank is the managing partner futurist at TCS, a recognized futurist thought leader and frequent keynote speaker and guest on Game Changers. Welcome, gentlemen, and let's kick this off. Matt Creason, you're up first. Predictions, we are going to give you two minutes. Go. Thanks, Bonnie. So I have three predictions. Uh, the first one, really, it hasn't changed, but the, the, the spirit of it, I think, continues to evolve, and it's really all about the data. So I see in 2019... Um, not just the data as we as you get it, so to speak, but the content, the usage, how it's used, where it's used, um, all that meaning that wraps around the data um, is really become much more important. Otherwise, it's just noise versus information. Um, the next one that I see is really around integrated services, and this talks, I think, to a previous panel uh, that you had earlier today around adding that into machine learning and predictive analytics and basically building uh, the empire by, you know, tying one service to the next as we move forward. So looking at really integrated services versus a monolithic solution, so to speak. And the last one I see really is I I see architecture back, Um, you know, at the end of last year, moving into this year, I see more and more architecture. And I think it drives both the point for um, the, the data aspect that I put forward as well as the integrated services. Because if you don't have a map, you really can't find the treasure. Um, and that's really what the architecture will provide you. So those are kind of my Thank three predictions, you. Bonnie. I like that. If you don't have a map, you can't find the treasure. Very well put, Matt. I'm I'm picturing treasure, and why not think about treasure for 2019? Thank you so much. Great start to this segment. Brian Everett at Intelligence North America. You're up. Go ahead, Brian. Well, thanks very much, Bonnie, and uh, so happy to be part of the show again. I think uh, Matt's points were really well-founded, and I couldn't agree more with them. And as a matter of fact, I think a lot of my points – really will harmonize a lot of what he uh, just talked about. Um, I see in 2019, I think 2019 is just going to be a really exciting year. And the three areas that I see um, great opportunities uh, for improvements, advancements, insights, however you look at it, um, are in the following areas. Number one is really the interconnectedness and taking the interconnectedness to the next level. I think that we've started to see the flow of information be an important aspect in, in business lives. And as we get more certainty toward the realities of 5G, 5G networking coming into play here in the upcoming years ahead, I think that businesses are going to be positioning how they're going to be employing assets to be able to take advantage of those networks and the realities that they pose. 
starting to see a little bit about that, about getting real, real-time information of shipping from UPS and the like and finding out where your driver is in the neighborhood. And I think that that's just going to improve and accelerate as we go forward. I think um, artificial intelligence um, is going to continue to increase, increase as a second one. It will grow and accelerate. You know, when you look at the status, statisticians and the pro- projections, um, they're saying 212 billion things will be connected at the end of 2020. When you overlay that with the number of people that are projected to be there in 2020, it's 8 billion. That's 26 and a half things per person in this world. Um, I think that the technologies around uh, voice-first technology, facial recognition, all of that's going to have to come into play with artificial intelligence and ramping up the productivity of businesses to be able to do things with machines, being able to um, have workers be more efficient as a result of that. And then finally, the last one I think that's going to be an important one is I think that there's going to be a creativity and an ideation explosion. When you get into realizing more devices, having artificial intelligence in play, devices and things can do a very good job of following instructions. But the one thing that I don't think that they can do well or have very limited capabilities is really being creative. And I think that that whole notion of being creative and employing talent within your organizations to with the element of creativity and the ideation processes is really going to be an important part. So lots of changes out there. I think it's an exciting time and uh, certainly look forward to see what the world holds to be in the future. Thank you. I'm excited about your comment about the creativity and ideation explosion this year. I think we're ready for that. Um, we, we think we're innovating all the time, but sometimes we're not sure. We're not just rehashing my favorite French phrase. Brian is plus a change, plus LMM shows. You know, reinventing the wheel, the more things change, the more things stay the same. So the idea of an ideation explosion is exciting to me. Thank you. And let's move on to Brandon Bornanson at Seamless AI. Brandon, predict for me, please. Hi, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you, everyone, for for your great comments and predictions thus far. So uh, I've got three big predictions for the next year, and they all have to do with artificial intelligence. Number one, data. This is the year of artificial intelligence and data. Today, artificial intelligence will be able to find all your ideal companies, your contacts, and the customers that you need to sell to. We already see it coming into the market here at our company, Seamless AI. We see it in other companies globally where, where AI can literally figure out who is your ideal customer persona and then build those lists and identify all of those ideal customers for you instantly. The so number one is data. Number two is personalization. In marketing and sales, AI will be able to research not only everyone you need to sell to, which is the data, but they'll also be able to identify the language, the content, the marketing material, the sales material that you need to instantly identify everyone and then personalize your marketing and sales messages to your ideal customers at scale. Being able to quickly identify, you know, does this contact like, you know, the Cavaliers, the Lakers, you know, what's the weather where they live? What are they interested in? Their hobbies, their likes, their dislikes, their sentiment about different things. And then also at the company level, maybe the 10K said that they're hiring 10,000 marketers, salespeople, you name it. AI will be out there to personalize all the marketing and sales messaging to the audience. And then number three, content. 
since it's the year of AI, artificial intelligence is going to be able to empower salespeople and marketers with the right content at the right time to connect, engage, inspire, and acquire new customers faster than ever before. Whether you're on a website, whether you're uh, in an email inbox, whether you're even on a phone call, artificial intelligence is going to empower salespeople and marketers with the right content to personalize, to connect, and to acquire new customers. Very, very exciting. Thank you. I love the idea of an ideal customer persona. We don't want to be typecast. We want to be uh, appreciated and identified in the in the right way, and we want we want personalization. Thank you, Brandon. I wish you'd sound more excited. I'm only teasing. You're always so excited. Thank you very much, Brandon. Frank, you, Diana. You've got some big predictions. <laughs> we do. Frank, Diana, TCS, welcome back. Frank, what have you got for us this time? Go ahead. I'm going to build on two uh, themes that I just heard. One was the purpose and social good piece and, and this last one on AI and connect those two dots. I think what we're going to see in 2019 are more opportunities surfacing where AI is actually enabling more and more social good or purpose-oriented outcomes, if you will. Uh, well, we're seeing the signs of it. So we look at things like obviously diagnosing ca- cancer and helping in aiding with diabetes, et cetera, but other areas like disaster relief efforts, uh, looking at predicting where a fire is progressing and maximizing the firefighter's response is a good example. We're going to see some applications in the health and hunger areas. Education, uh, adaptive learning comes to mind as we personalize learning for the learner, uh, their pace, their, their capability, et cetera, et cetera. We'll see some applications in the areas of security and justice. Uh, I already see some things around fair prosecution where AI can start to serve as uh, judges, if you will, and truly apply the law with no bias, et cetera, et cetera. Equality and inclusion, uh, just a number of different use cases that are really socially oriented, uh, even um, identifying victims of sex exploitation as an example. So really, instead of looking at this through a business lens, which we typically do when it comes to AI and other innovations, more of a social and purpose-oriented lens, realizing that, like everything else, there'll be a series of challenges to uh, actually realize some of these things, like the accessibility of data that's required to really solve some of these real challenges, the lack of AI talent that isn't just a business problem, but obviously a nonprofit and other organizational uh, focuses on these areas. Uh, misuse of the technology, you know, the biases that are, are kind of baked into AI might, might undermine some of these efforts, as well as the data privacy concerns that I'm sure will emerge as these things play out. And then the lack of transparency and explainability that we see with AI could cause a problem as well. So at the highest level, it's purpose and social good, but with an AI flavor. Very interesting. Thank you, Frank. Really appreciate that. Interesting. I like the idea you mentioned you acknowledge the biases and lack of transparency baked into AI, and these are things we certainly need to be aware of. Who Who is running the show, basically? Thank you. Let me circle around the table and find out what you all had in your cup, your goblet, your flute, your glass, whatever, your mug over the holidays. Matt Creason, what were you drinking? So this uh, holiday season, we tried something different. Took a little cue from one of my... Uh, German colleagues, and uh, we tried an Italian spritz, which is, uh, you know, a mix of Prosecco and Aperol and some club soda and a twist of lime or orange, depending upon your flavors. But that was something we tried this year with the family, and uh, 
it was it was well received. So we'll see if we'll do it again next year, but we will maybe try something different as well. Sounds lovely. You're the second panelist today to mention mixing it up a little bit differently. We appreciate that. Brian Everett, what were you drinking and enjoying over the holiday? Thanks, Bonnie. So, you know, there's nothing like uh, as the days get colder, finding ways to keep warmer. So um, drank a lot of tea, uh, got some new hot loose leaf tea, and uh, mm. certainly like black tea and green tea and uh, tried a few different varieties over the holiday season. There's nothing like uh, waking up in the morning, having a cup of hot tea and reading a little bit of the paper, reading a book, and uh, just being able to relax and uh, think back, reflect on the past year and the upcoming one. Thank you very much. Good to know. And let's go to Brandon Bornanson. What were you drinking? So LeBron James and I are both from Cleveland, Ohio. And Cleveland came out (laughs) with Christmas Ale. It's the best, most flavorful beer you can find out on the market. So LeBron and I were back in Cleveland drinking Christmas Ale with the family, hanging out, relaxing, enjoying the holidays. Glad to know. Thanks for the smiles. And Frank, Diana, tell me again, what were you drinking? I, I thought this time I'd, I'd actually address this. And what wasn't I drinking? <laughs> okay, <laughs> what weren't you drinking? <laughs> well, yeah, what weren't I drinking? So uh, wine, beer, and shots. It was uh, a combination of things, and I barely remember it. But it's good. <laughs> you barely remember it. That's the first honest comment we've we've had in five weeks. <laughs> thank you very much. I want to thank Matt Creason at SAP, Brian Everett, Intelligence North America, Brandon Mornanson at Seamless.ai, and Frank Diana at TCS. Gentlemen, it's been such a pleasure. We're going to move on to our next segment. I've got four more panelists waiting. This is Really Predictions on Steroids. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss this. It's going great. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business Channel on Twitter at Voice AM Business. Again, that's at Voice AM Business. And stay current. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand, all from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. To 
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, indeed, we're back, and we are moving along fast here on Predictions Part 5 for 2019. Let me tell you who my next group of panelists are. Christopher Koch, she said I could call him Chris, is the Director of Thought Leadership for the SAP Center for Business Insight. He is also the Editor-in-Chief of the SAP Digitalist Executive Quarterly Online Magazine, and I, as the voice of the Digitalist Briefings, Chris, can attest to the quality of this publication. Joining him is Will Ritzrau. Will is interesting a trained marine biologist and climatologist who joined SAP back in the last millennium, 1999. He focuses on the consumer products industry. He's led strategic co-innovation projects, especially in the area of logistics. Joining them is also their colleague and mine, Dan Wellers, global lead for digital futures. A lot of interesting research at SAP. And Dan has held U.S. and international roles with IT organizations from startups to mega cap global firms. Very impressive. Rounding out the panel is a gentleman who's got a PR team that has been pumping out tweets since yesterday <laughs> all over the web. Paul Lewis is here. He's the Global VP and CTO Industry and Enterprise Architecture at Hitachi Vantara, responsible for the leading technology evangelism, client executive advocacy, and internal delivery, external delivery of the Hitachi vision and strategy. Welcome, gentlemen. Chris Koch, you're up first. Predictions, Go ahead. You're all. It's all yours. All right. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, so right now, Will, Dan, and I are worried about the future of GNP. Now, why care about something as wonky as gross national product? Well, GNP is based on measuring growth, which is how we've been trained to think about progress in our economies and societies. But we think it needs to be revised to include some new measurements. And we think there's a business driver at work here. Growth is a quantitative measure, an opaque miasma as big as the sun that hides what's really firing within it. So the problem is that GNP assumes unlimited access to resources and no costs for so-called end of life. But resources are not infinite. The last 10 years have seen an unprecedented rise in the cost and volatility of resources. We've already run out of places to put waste from the consumption that fuels growth. It's literally washing up on our beaches by the ton. So if we continue this way, we are on a path to ever diminishing growth. The problem is that the current solutions to wasted disposal and uh, resource volatility, such as recycling and environmental regulation, are viewed as pure business risk. That's how they're measured. But we actually think that there is a tremendous business opportunity here. It doesn't require anything but a change in mindset. So what if we accepted that resources are finite and we need to reuse what we already have? If we adopted that mindset and applied it to the way we measure success in our businesses, we could create a path to unlimited growth. For example, what if we started designing products from the start to be taken apart, repaired, reused, or recycled? What if we ended end of life and instead made returning a product a positive experience for customers rather than a warranty hassle? We think customers and markets are going to start evaluating growth more and more from the perspective of reuse, enabling growth, not diminishing it. We need to change our mindset so that we stop measuring growth from a linear perspective and 
should start looking at it from a circular point of view. There's a ton of money to be made here if we do, and Will's going to talk more about that. Thank you. Very interesting. Sustainability, circular economy. I, I think that's what uh, the three of you discussed when you were on Game Changers Radio earlier this year. Very glad to hear this, and it's something we all need to pay attention to. Will Ritzrow, why don't you continue the narrative? Go ahead. Hi, Bonnie, and thanks for having me. And uh, just following up with, on what, what Chris just said, I would like to make it a little bit more tangible and put in the, the European view of it. Uh, some of you may have heard that the European Union has uh, put out a directive that single-use plastic is going to be banned by 2025. In in Europe and, and the UK is actually executing on, on this directive to ban uh, single-use plastic in, in 2021 20, already. And along those lines, you, you see that many of the large, especially the consumer products companies, are putting out... Uh, commitments around single-use plastic or avoidance of uh, single-use plastic, Nestle is really moving forward here, doing nice things. On top of, on top of that, for example, in the UK, uh, there, there are initiatives coming up like the RAP initiative and SAP is joining that initiative and we're, we're talking about building a plastics cloud. Now, having hmm. said that and, and following up what Chris said, uh, uh, cleaning up the ocean is a nice thing, but that's that's just only solving part of the problem. And cleaning up in the in the after fact is not actually avoiding the problem. So you see more and more large corporations, as as Chris said as well, joining forces. However, these forces are still very scattered. So my prediction is that more and more of these scattered initiatives. Uh, will happen, but during the course of 2019, these, these scattered uh, initiatives will figure out that they cannot solve it themselves. They will consolidate. They will focus on not cleaning up, but solving the pl- problem in the beginning, looking at substitutes for plastic uh, generation, substitute oils. They go after sustainable design, sustainable supply chains, and then integrating more and more uh, the waste towards, uh, towards secondary feedstock, uh, which goes back into the production and manufacturing capabilities. Along those lines, I, I believe that the regulation about plastics will even tighten around the world. And finally, I think more and more consumers will change their behavior towards Avoidance. I this morning I heard uh, I heard uh, uh, in the news that uh, uh, the Generation Z, the Generation Z, so that the youngest people actually uh, they hate they hate waste they hate waste and it's disgusting for them. Mm. So I think that is going to drive more and more corporations towards circularity. And uh, as Chris said, they see the business opportunity because we because if they don't see it, uh, if they don't do it, they will lose their brand brand value. Thank you. Very, very interesting. I liked your comment, Will, about we need to solve the problem from the beginning, which implies we have to sit down and plan better and probably recreate, re-innovate, re-architect the products and the use of resources. Very, very good perspective. Thank you. Dan Wellers, I know you're going to continue and follow on to this narrative. Go ahead, Dan. I am. I'm going to continue in this story from the perspective of branding 
these ideas of reuse and zero waste that Will and Chris talked about at the center of the circular economy. I predict that these are going to become strategic brand attributes. Uh, the companies are going to choose these to define their brand in the next in the next couple of years. One of the most significant insights that we found in a in a, in a new new study that that we just that we just completed is that more and more the value of a product is determined by the values of the company that makes it, and and that more consumers are choosing products only from companies that align with their personal values. The reason is that digital platforms, social media are, are giving us giving consumers information about companies' operations that they've never had before. So, so you know, this transparency it can either hurt a business. You know, for example, when a bad labor practice comes to light, it can seriously damage reputation. But this transparency can be a very good thing, also when circular economy values are actually embedded in the business. And more and more companies are doing exactly this. Uh, for example, uh, Gerard Street is a small company I found who, who makes high-quality headphones. But instead of buying a headphone, customers buy a subscription. Mm-hmm. The company has designed a modular product, a modular headphone, so that when something breaks or if you want to upgrade, you just swap out the parts. And on their website, they actually say, no waste, no worries, in big, bold. Um, Method is a, is a new and fast-growing maker of cleaning products, also branded with circular economy values. You know, Raw for the Oceans is a firm that upcycles ocean trash into clothing. Um, yeah, and you've got uh, Eileen Fisher and Patagonia and Levi's, more, more known names probably. But all of these are investing in actually separate brands, that take back old garments and, and remake them into new ones. So, so what all these have in common is that these are strategic decisions that to identify or at least strongly associate their brands with these circular economy values. So, so consumers will judge the value of products by values demonstrated by the company that makes it, and, and brands will move in this direction. Thank you. That's very optimistic, and I think we've been seeing that. We we like to attribute that to millennials, I know, Dan. We like to say, well, they're the ones who are aligning their values with company values, but I think it's spreading across the generations. Thank you. Paul Lewis, Mr. Uh, PR Machine, I want to welcome you. Paul, I know your audience, your, your millions of fans are waiting for you to pronounce your prediction. So, Paul Lewis, you're up next. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks, Bonnie, and Happy New Year. It's always Thank fun you. to jump on the line with you. Thank you. Uh, I'll also continue the discussion because it's all about people and their impact to individuality and control and evolution of their skill set. But I think I might do more of a technology audience spin. Five, three predictions. It's autonomy, privacy, and diversity. And I think these are the top of the mind for CIOs, CTOs, chief digital or chief data officers and the like in the organizations. So autonomy. Autonomy is data, compute, machines, all working autonomously in complex systems. It's really the implementation of automation. This is machine learning. This is AI. This is orchestration of information across all those systems. This is using, you know, digital assistants like Alexa to to change the human computer interface. And what's important here is it's, it's more about human augmentation. 
not human replacements. How do we make you know, humans better and faster and higher quality in the things that you do? It's the autonomous nature of all these machines. Second one is privacy. You know, large consumer demand and obviously big regulatory change is changing and creating a massive power shift in the control of private data, the control of the consumer's own information. When and where an individual's private information will be about borrowing the facts. It used to be about banks determining what data is used to prove a loan, as an example. The shift is going to move for consumers to tell banks for what they can use and for how long they can use it. It's almost like a privacy by design. So that's privacy. And then finally, diversity. The concept of standardization out of the window. You don't pick a vendor and deploy all of their products. Technology decisions are going to be based on what's important and specific for the application of the workload now. The cost of managing your entire portfolio will be spread across the edge and the data center and third party and SaaS products and public cloud. You're going to have complex, diverse environments because you're going to make the best decision for the application, the best decision for the business, because the business controls the money to determine what gets spent. So it's autonomy, it's privacy, it's diversity, and they'll have a significant impact on what the IT initiatives are for and delivered in 2019. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Paul. Interesting. I was able to get most of this into a tweet. Autonomy, AI, machine learning, digital assistance, human augmentation, then privacy, control of the consumer's information, and diversity. Standardization is out. Complexity is in. Did I get it all? I'm out of characters here. Are we good? Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. I'm working hard here. I'm I'm using a a substitute little tiny travel mouse because my Apple mouse told me that it needed to be charged. So, yes, here we are. Okay. Chris Koch, love to know what you were drinking over the holiday. Talk to me fast. What do you got? Well, you and Will and and, uh, Dan now all know that I have an affinity for gin. And I'm going to stay consistent with that. I discovered something called Pomp and Whimsy. It is made in Los Angeles. It's actually a gin liqueur, if that makes any sense. probably doesn't. Uh, but it includes uh, wonderful things like lychee and raspberry and uh, jasmine <laughs> pearls, whatever that is. Uh, and it was delightful over the holidays. It's a wonderful little drink. You can just drink it over ice or put some other stuff in it, like a, make it into a martini. And uh, it made my holiday. Well, I have to tell you, you just made my day because I went to POMP, P-O-M-P, and A-N-D, Whimsy, W-H-I-M-S-Y dot com. And it says in very pale pink letters, hello, darling, exclamation point. And then it asks me, are you of legal drinking age? I'm tempted to say no, but I'm not going to go there because it would probably know I'm not telling the truth. Thank you for that delightful drink. Will Ritzrow, what was in your cup over the holidays? Well, you know, Christmas time is always Glühwein time, or if, mm-hmm. as you guys would say, the Glühwein. Uh, so it's the, the hot red wine with some spices and uh, sweet. You have to be careful. And, uh, but it's just, you know, it, it keeps you warm from the inside. It's nice during this time of the year. Very nice. Dan Wellers, what were you drinking? Well, my daughter visited over the holidays, and she brought with her some homemade eggnog. And, you know, I've never had homemade eggnog before, and I can tell you it is nothing like the grocery store version. If you haven't tried it, you know, find a recipe and do it. I did have to have to add some, some store-bought rum to it, 
Um, I didn't didn't have to, but I did, and and was able to relax. Chris, I might try adding some pop and whimsy to it at some point, although that doesn't sound like a very good mix. No, I think think we'll stick with the rum. Paul Lewis, what were you drinking? Yeah. So as usual, three to five times a day, no matter where in the world, it's an ice grande, non-fat vanilla latte. I'm very, very consistent. Well, happy, happy, consistent holidays to you. I want to thank our four guests on this segment, Chris Koch, Will Ritzrow, Dan Wellers, and Paul Lewis. Happy New Year to the four of you. Hope to hear you and see you again on Game Changers during the year. We're going to say goodbye to the four of you, and we've got two guests to round out this part five of our prediction special. So I'm hoping we have Ben Zimmerman. Can you say hello, Ben? I think we have you already on the line. Yes. Hi, Ben. And do we have Loic Simon? Hi. Loic, do we have you? Loic Simon? Yes, we do. From France, from Paris. Wonderful, wonderful. So let me give let me give uh, your b- promos, your bios just briefly here. So Loic Simon, I'm trying to use my f- wonderful French accent, is convinced that sales transformation is a must and social selling is the way to make it a reality. He founded Hashtag Social Selling Forum, an IRL repeating event he started in Paris and exports now to other cities. And joining him is Ben Zimmerman, a principal in the advisory services practice of Ernst & Young LLP and the Global global agile business risk leader. Welcome to the two of you. We've got about six minutes to wrap up the show. I'm so happy to have you both on. Luik Simo, you're up first. Yeah. Give me your predictions, please. Luik. Yeah. Thank you, Bernie. I, I, you know, I go from the vantage point of sales transformation through social selling because I really believe that social selling is a catalyst of this sales transformation towards more love of the customer, more simplicity, authenticity, more education of our customers' journeys, and so on, more trust, more transparency, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, love first. Huh? And mm-hmm. what I see in this, uh, in this very confusing social selling landscape today, I don't say it's confusing because many people talk about modern selling, digital selling, social networking. They don't mm-hmm. want to use this uh, social selling term, which I really love anymore, because they think it's already something of the past. It's already ingrained uh, in everything that we do, which is absolutely not the case, as I can testify from the 36 social selling forums they have run in the last 36 months, you know, and it's still a lot to be discovered by companies. So what I see as a trend, and, and I don't want to talk about what I wish, I wish, but what I see are really three very simple trends in this area. Mm-hmm. And uh, my prediction is that the, the gap will widen between those who get it and those who still don't get it. And when I, when I say those who don't get it, it's even the people who started three years ago or four years or five years ago, even in Europe, three years ago, and they still believe that social selling is about spying customers, about sales intelligence, about just buying sales navigator and then doing some what research and then just doing as usual, calling people as usual. Other people believe that you can do social selling by only doing curation, you know, curation, marketing curation, where you just push content uh, the bad way towards your customers, in your, your, your followers or whatever, in LinkedIn or in Twitter and other social networks. And I believe, on the other hand, you have people who get it. They know how to use this AI that is available to, to them today. They know how to use social proximity they are building. They know how to do combo selling. They know how to educate their customers so that they go through their learning journeys and to, to their um, buying journey very easily. They know how to use this sales tech, of course. Huh? They know how to become uh, uh, an influencer in their micro market, how to become a resource for their customer, how to grab a big share of attention because they are continuously 
educating their their let's say their constituencies their audiences huh? so on one side and they know how to leverage of course the ai and the sales intelligence stuff also by the way huh? both automation and very personalized so i think the, the gap will will widen be, between these two categories of social sellers so-called social sellers then a certain prediction is that people will come from other platforms to other platforms they will come from Instagram, from, from Facebook, from Snapchat, from wherever, to LinkedIn as, as disruptors, as, uh, let's say, pundits, as, uh, bandits, as we would call it in France. And they will bring their habits from YouTube, from Instagram to LinkedIn, to LinkedIn, for example. And on the contrary, you will have LinkedIn specialists who will go to Instagram and conquer Instagram in the way they were doing in LinkedIn. So I see a, a lot of cross cross-polarization between the platforms and the people who think that uh, LinkedIn should not be Facebook or Facebook is not LinkedIn or whatever, they will, they will falter. You know, they, they will be among those left in the desk. Yeah? That's Lu- the second thing. Luik, I'm going to I'm gonna have to cut you with two Sorry? because we, all, we have two minutes left to the show and oh. I have to get Ben Zimmerman okay. in here. Okay. So okay. these were, you're brilliant. That, you're brilliant. Fine. Ben Zimmerman, and then giving the last, you your, la- your go ahead, Ben. The boss is the first social seller in the company. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Ben, you're up. Go ahead. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, You know, this is my favorite show of the year. And as I prepared, I took a look at last year's prediction. You know, I spend my time digitizing risk with Fortune 100 companies. And prediction last year was that companies that focus and learn how to manage risk effectively in digital disruption are going to move forward. You know, and what a great year it's been. And when we look at what's really happening, we're seeing it evolve. Risk is now being looked at as downside risk, what we typically all do very well or just have been doing it for multiple years, SOX-related risk, compliance-related risk. Now we're starting to see outside risk, whether it's geopolitical. Uh, And if you think about the concept, it's taking your company's risk environment, it's looking at publicly available data around the world, that's going to influence and help you actually capture upside risk. So you're making the right decisions uh, based off data and models using AI that affect the decisions that your company is going to make. And what this is building is, is digital trust. It's going to be the currency on which companies move forward, both with their brand, their consumers. And so my prediction for 2019 is companies that understand how to segment risk through downside, outside, and upside channels and effectively act on the data and build digital trust are going to have a significant advantage to their peers. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. So sorry to rush you, Ben. Quickly, Loic, one word. What was your drink over the holidays, Loic? Plain water and sparkling water. Well, lovely. And Ben Zimmerman, what were you drinking over the holiday? (laughs) My Midwest roots, it is the uh, Christmas-style Coca-Cola in the glass bottle. Oh, I love a guy for the classics. Thank you very much, Louis Simon. Merci Thank beaucoup. You. And Ben Zimmerman, beaucoup merci to both of you. I want to thank all of our guests. We had 13 on the show today. We have one more week of predictions next Wednesday, January 23rd, here on the Business Channel and World Talk Radio, 11 a.m. Eastern, Coffee Break with Game Changers. So here is my call to action and a shout-out to Aaron, our venerable and very brave engineer at World Talk Radio. Here we go. Fascinating 
fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Listen to the wonderful, smart, insightful, intelligent, human, authentic, real, and savvy predictions from my guests who are on today and go out and be a game changer today. Make it happen. Have a great one. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. 